Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. All right, so we are now into our third week of looking at the five marks of mission. It's kind of like hump day. Uh, we're right in the middle. And uh, just to do a, a quick recap, um, the first week uh, David Pierce shared with us about how we are to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And uh, one of the things that David warned us about was uh, if we're not careful, we can reflect the spirit of the age rather than the spirit of God. And so things like colonialism can take place. So a good guiding question for us to be when we look at that first mark of mission is, what does the reign of Jesus look like? And am I reflecting that in my life? Are we reflecting that in our church? And that's uh, just a way to keep us on the straight and narrow. I had, uh, when I was ordained, someone gave me a, a letter that said, when we start operating outside of the spirit of Jesus is when we lose all of our authority. And that's something we need to be mindful of. Then last week, Eva shared with us about the need to nurture all believers and, and young believers too. And uh, if we are shaped and formed by the liturgy, how effective is that that we kick kids out of our church for Sunday school? That's one of the hard questions we need to look at. Um, when Colin was baptized, uh, it was kind of an emergency baptism because we knew something was wrong, but we didn't know what. And so we actually baptized him in the regional hospital. And Jasmine Chandra came uh, to, to, to speak at his baptism, and she said, this is what baptism is. We're being grafted onto Christ, and I love this. The farmer does the work. God the Father does the work. The trunk in this case she had a vine but the trunk is jesus who is wounded to receive us by his wounds we are healed and then we in turning from sin need to you know cut into that hard heart and then it is really important when you graft that you put the flesh of the branch onto the flesh of the vine or the trunk now here's the cool part is that the church is the binding the spirit empowered church is what holds us to Jesus. So as Anglicans, our traditions of prayer and worship, um, the teaching, the catechism, and how we live the faith, not just orthodoxy, right thinking about the faith, but right living, orthopraxy of the faith, like how we live it out, how we pray, how we conduct ourselves at the, at the marketplace, all of those things are to be done in a way that we model faith for all believers. And so the Spirit-empowered church is what holds us firm to Jesus. I just love that image. Today we are looking at the third mark of mission, which is responding to human need by loving service. Or the short firm, uh, form is tend. We had, we had tell, teach, and now tend. And that is caring for people in their need. And in preparation for that, I want to tell you a, a tale if you're, if you're okay with that. It is a, a tale of two churches. It's not Charles Dickens. It's, you know, much smaller scale, much shorter too. Uh, but years ago when I was a pastor in the south end of St. John, the bishop gave me the job of finding out what the needs were in St. In John, in the south end, and to see how we as the church could respond to those needs. He took this straight from, you know, the third mark of mission. 
And so I gladly went and I spent months walking the streets and talking with different store owners and, and people living there and schools and businesses and churches. And one day, I actually, in two days, I got to meet with two very different pastors. And the first pastor, uh, I went to his church, which is a storefront church. They rented space in kind of like a strip mall. And, uh, and, and I said, so what's, what are the needs in the community and, and what can we do about them? And he said, oh, let me tell you about the needs of this church, of this community. And he went through a huge list. And as he listed off all the needs in the community, he was getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And he goes, and then there's this issue, but your church wouldn't care about that. And there's this and this. And I was like, whew, okay. So I, I was really grateful for the meeting because I filled up like a whole page of things that we had needs in this community. And I thanked him very much and I left. The next day I met with a different pastor. And when I went to his church, he said, let's go to Tim Hortons which I think is why they're on the front decoration here, all these Tim Hortons things. And, and so when we sat down at Tim Hortons, he said, okay, Paul, what is it exactly that you want me to do for you? So I said, I want you to tell me what the needs are in this community so that my church can respond to those needs. And he said, I can't help you. And I said, what do you mean? I said, you have a church that other people in the community have mentioned what a blessing your church is. Why can't you help me? And he says, I can't help you because you're focusing on the issues, on the needs. And that's nothing I want to participate with. And I didn't understand. And he said, well, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to focus on this need or these needs. And then as you pour your heart and your soul into those needs, you're going to realize you don't have enough. So you're going to go elsewhere and ask people to help and ask for the government for money. And you're going to do all that gladly until they don't do it. And you're going to get angry, and you're going to burn bridges, you're going to become isolated, and you're going to burn out. And I don't want any part of that. But if you really want to help this community, you need to get on your knees and start praying for it. And as you seek Jesus in this community, what's going to happen is he's going to direct you to what the need is that you are to address, He's going to equip you and provide for you so that what happens is that you enjoy it and it brings life to you and to the community because it's Jesus at the center. And when I left that meeting, I compared the two pastors in my mind and I thought, wow, I needed to see those, those people. They were stark contrast to each other. And it was a really valuable lesson. When I was younger, um, well, I guess not too much younger, I, I've had people say all the time that your faith is a personal thing, it's a private thing, and that's simply not true. And one of the biggest lies that have been told to the church in the West is that we are to deal with the spiritual things and let other government groups and, and agencies address the practical things in life. And two things have happened. Uh, well, you can see that, you know, our health care system is pretty good, but there's room for improvement. Our education system, hmm. Donna, you're the best part of our education system. Right? <laughs> but there's, there's things that, that are lacking in, in what the government is offering. They can't do it all. 
But here's another thing that has happened is that the church has bought into the, this myth that we're irrelevant, that we have nothing practical to give to community. In fact, there are some churches that say if we do anything in the name of our faith, well, that's works righteousness, and we can't, we can't do that. Right? That's to deny who we are. And that's just not true. The church is called to be the reflector of God's glory in this world, and that happens when we actually share the love of Jesus in practical ways. Faith is not a private thing. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. I love that. It's not about us, by the way. It's about reflecting the character of God to the world around us. Um, St. James was a bit more blunt. Uh, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Well, that's great. But how do we get there? How do we get there in, in our individual lives without... There's a really, a really um, serious danger that we can fall into, and that is something we call compassion fatigue. Right? It's a very real thing. And I think it happens when we give of ourselves. And we don't, we don't discern where God is calling us to be, but we start doing everything. And then we get worn out. Right? Uh, one of my favorite churches, I think I've mentioned this before, every, every year or so the pastor gets up and he basically says, if you are not in need um, and you're not giving out in our church, please leave. <laughs> and if you are in need, you are welcome here. We want to help you. If you are giving back to the church, if you are ministering to others in the name of Jesus, you are welcome to do your ministry here. But if you're just sitting there filling up a seat, there are so many other churches that would love to have you. At least you could do that. It was shocking to hear him say this. And it's just like at the same time, we are called to respond to the love of God and to receive the love of God too. Where do we, where do we begin um, without that? And, and I think that what we need to do is keep Jesus in the center. One of the problems with the disciples is that they, they were f so consumed with who is the best who was the most influential? Who had the most authority? Who did Jesus like best? And Jesus was like, you're so thinking about this the wrong way. In John at the Last Supper, Jesus wanted to show his disciples the full extent of his love. What did he do? He took off his coat, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he went from one to the next, and he washed their, their dirty, stinking feet. And at the end of that, he said, do you understand what I have done for you? You know, Gentile leaders, they want to lord it over everybody, but that's not the case with you. I, who am your Lord and your teacher, have given you this example 
So follow my example. When it comes to caring for others, Jesus must be at the center of what we do. Um, and if we think that serving others out of a sense of obligation or guilt is going to do a, a, a transformation in the world, it's not. It's not enough. And that's not what Jesus has for us. It's, we're not under the whip here. We are actually called to lovingly do it. Um, so when we keep the need at the center of what we do, what happens is that we think we'll fill this need. But we won't fill the need. The need will consume us. When we have Jesus at the center of what we do, he fills us so that we can give to the need. But there's a, there's a priority there. Um, what fills us? How do we know if Jesus is in the center? There's these wonderful things that we can become aware of. We are filled with gratitude. Being really thankful and content with what we have. Joy. Hopeful expectation of what is to come. Peace. Like this sense of completeness and, and that God is protecting us. There's all of these, the fruit of the Spirit, all the fruit of the Spirit are signs that Jesus is where he should be in our lives. And that is a good thing. I want to focus on gratitude, not just because it's Thanksgiving, but because it's when we are truly grateful that, we, um, that what spills out of us is that we want to draw people into our happiness. Have you ever had something wonderful happen and have no one to celebrate with? And you're like, I'm so alone. But you've got to at least call somebody on the phone and say, guess what happened? This is so exciting. And, and people can share with you in it. Gratitude is the fuel through which we serve our community. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, I think his name is Russell Peterson. He's a, he's a, a philosopher who's he's iffy on whether or not he's a Christian. He definitely loves Jesus. But he was talking with this guy who had this drug experience. And the guy was saying, I took this drug and I went happier than I've ever been in my entire life. And he said, the thing that, can, that, can, that is, makes me question is I wasn't happy enough. I had to tell everyone how happy I was. I had to draw people into my happiness. And now this is not to condone drug use. <laughs> But uh, Russell Peterson said, you know, it's amazing that human beings seem to be hardwired to draw people into our happiness. Now, here's, if we don't have gratitude in our lives, what happens is that when we have need, it's inconvenient and it's frustrating. This happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was walking along really angry and frustrated. When I get angry and frustrated, I walk along. I was angry because my kids jumped up on the floating sink in my bathroom to see in the mirror, and they ripped it out of the wall. And that's okay, because that's what kids do, right? Right? It's okay. That's not the part that was frustrating me. The part that was frustrating me is that I couldn't fix it. I wanted to fix it, but I have no sweet clue how to do that stuff. Do you know who does know? My brother-in-law who lives close by. But I didn't want to ask my brother-in-law because I would be in need with my brother-in-law. How messed up is that? As I was walking along and complaining in my head about having to call my brother-in-law, 
a still small voice said, you know, there is such a thing as God-given need. And when you think about it, we as human beings are needy creatures. We have fundamental needs like oxygen and water. But we have other, other needs like relationship. People caring for us. We need these things. So need isn't an evil necessarily. There is need created by injustice. That's evil. But there's just basic needs. So me humbling myself and saying, Kyle, can you come fix our sink? was a way for him to express love for our family. It was a good thing. When I am not grateful for the things I have in my life, when I see other needs around me, and I'm not grateful for what I have, I get very judgmental. And that's where things like get a job come from. But gratitude gives us empathy and helps us to see how other people are, 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 are uh, struggling. And, and when we see that what we have and what they don't have, we want to fill that need. Um, the final thing I want to say today is, is, yes, it guards us from compassion, fatigue, and, and, and all of that. But it, gratitude also guards us from uh, a su superiority complex. Because when we have gratitude in our hearts, we are able to say, everything I have is because of the grace of God. When I, when I think of my brother-in-law, or even my brother, they're both carpenters. They both have skills I wish I had. And yet they could say, you know, I went to school, I learned how to do this, but who gave them the capacity to learn who gave, who provided the school, all this, like, everything is a gift. Let us be grateful together. I, I could spend lots of time in looking at what the church is doing nationally and with our province in Ghana and, and all that stuff. But I think where we need to focus is, Lord, make me grateful and let me serve you. Every day to pray that prayer, give, let me be thankful for the gifts you have given me and let me serve you and allow Jesus to direct, to direct us because we don't want to scatter everything so that we're completely ineffective. The one who knows what we are to do is our master. He's trustworthy and he's good. And we can trust him with what we are called to do. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your many blessings to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would make us truly thankful for how you work and move in our lives. We pray that you would give us grace to respond in faith, that we may be the blessing you've called us to be. And Lord, we pray that your kingdom would be extended in and through us, that everyone would know how wonderful you are. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> I invite you to stand.